Hey friends, welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background for the last couple of shows is from our good buddy, Mr. Torrin Wells. Make sure you grab a copy of his album, Citizen of Heaven. Today on the podcast is one of my favorite people on the planet. One of my first friends in the blogging, podcasting world, and one of my favorite follows on Instagram. If y'all know We to Wednesday, then you get it. Sophie Hudson is an incredibly good author, podcaster, Instagram follow. Y'all are just going to love her. Her new book is called Stand All the Way Up. That's right, Sophie. Stand All the Way Up. So here's my conversation today with my friend, Sophie Hudson. Your Weed of Wednesdays, where you teach us how to cook something from your mother's kitchen or from your kitchen, as you did this week. Right. That your mother, Tell me what made you start that, and are you enjoying it as much as I am? Well, I hope I am. I mean, I, I'm glad you're enjoying it. That's the first thing I want to say. So here's what made me start it. So when quarantine started, you know, that was weird. That was, yeah. that was different. <laughs> and um, so... I did this thing. I didn't know what I would wake up every day and think like, is it this? So this is okay. This is a real thing. It's continuing to happen. Like it's not. And I mean, you, you were, you were kind of first out of the gate with that whole experience. So you get it. So I I started to, I was like, well, I'm just going to plan like a supper every night. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to plan supper. So I realized that the recipes that I kept going back to as I would plan suppers every week were the things that mama used to make when I was growing up. And I guess that's because it's comfort, right? That's just, that's that's what's comforting. And I like literally one night I was making Mexican cornbread. It was a Wednesday night. And I thought, I'm going to put this on Instagram. And here's what's so weird about that. I never really have been one to plan content on social media. As you know, Annie, I'm very professional, (laughs) very strategic. I just don't ever think about it much. And I was like, I'm going to put this on Instagram as I make it. And I did. And it was so fun. But what was the most fun was then people coming back to me with their pictures saying like, look, I made Mexican cornbread. And I loved it because my mama would listen. She would have been so tickled by that whole thing. So I just thought, well, this is a fun thing to do during quarantine. I'm just going to cook some of mama's food. So um, I think the next thing I'm going to do, and then I had a friend after I did it, and I said, that was so fun. And she said, well, you should do it every week and call it Weed a Wednesday. And so um, I did. And so I think the next thing I'm going to do is fried okra. Because I feel like <gasps> oh, we don't know how to fry Nobody knows okra. how. Right. Yeah. But but Weeda knew how to fry some okra. So it, I think that's what I'm going like to do. You're like a version of that new YouTube channel that everybody loves of the dad. Have you seen it with the dad who, who yes. didn't have a dad when he was little? And so it's like, here's how you change a tire. Here's how you change a light bulb. I mean, it's like all this basic things you should have learned. And we just never made okra. So I would love for you to teach us how to make okra. Okay, Amy. That's going to happen. That's gonna Now, happen. are you saving these as highlights? I save the recipe because, you know, you can only put so many things yeah. in highlights. So I save, I'll, I'll leave it up for a week in highlights. And then the next week I delete all the steps and then just put the recipe back up. Got it. Okay. And and then like this past week I did hummingbird cake, which is something mama loved for me to make because mainly because I just wanted to make a hummingbird cake and that was yep. a good excuse. But, yep. but it's been fun. It's been sweet. I don't know. There's something ever since mama died and it's been four years 
this oh gosh, gene. I can't believe it's been four years. And the place where I have consistently found so much comfort is to cook the stuff that she cooked. And I promise mm-hmm. I can, I, it's like I can hear her voice. And and even this past week when I made the hummingbird cake and I was just impatient. And it was, yeah. I mean, it was, it was mostly cool when I started to ice it. But sure enough, I started to put that first icing on and it started to run. And I mean, I could hear my mama, Sophie Sims. I have tried to tell you, you have to let those layers, they have to cool all the way before you start to ice. And I like mama getting in my business a little bit. You know, I just, it's been a sweet thing. And it's, it's, it's one of the the things that you can, it's fun to be able to share that, those things with other people. So it's been a ton of fun. I've loved it. I, when you, when you took the Crisco to the pans, I thought <laughs> Pam Downs has been teaching me to do that since the day I knew how to Crisco a pan before I knew how to read a book, I bet. Uh-huh. Yeah. That it's a is, whole thing. Yeah. And, and you know, I have no video skills at all. Like I don't. Well, I don't it's part of the joy of it, to be honest. Well, it's part of the joy. <laughs> I have no skill. I don't know how to make things. I don't, I don't know how to do the fancy things with the phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm a child of the, like the VHS camcorder era. So I don't know how to do all the, the things, but, yeah. um, but it's been fun. I really do love doing it just because uh, I don't, food is such a, a fun thing. It's just a fun shared bond with other people. And I think a lot of people um, really do know, want to know how to make some of these things that, you know, just bring comfort. Yeah. So, Last night when I was watching it, I was in a text conversation at the same time about racial reconciliation and about yes. what happened with yes. George Floyd. And, and we were having this real intense text conversation. And my friend was saying some really good, strong things. And I, I said back, well, this is a difference in you and me is you're having some really thoughtful things and I'm crying and I'm also watching my friend make a hummingbird cake. Right. I was like, yeah. so uh, because there, there is just something that brought me peace about watching you make a hummingbird cake. Thanks, Amy. What is that? What is that thing in us that that finds comfort in in that? Do you, do you have words for what that is? I think part of it is because I feel the same way when I see other people. It's like it's like the Tabitha Brown thing. I find so much comfort in watching Tabitha Brown. When she cooks different stuff on okay, Instagram, I don't know who Tabitha Brown is. I'm so sorry. Oh, Annie, you need to you need to change that. This okay. you're going to do that today. You're going to okay. have to change that because she is a delight and a joy. She lives in California, but she grew up in the South, and she's a vegetarian. Uh-huh. And so, and she makes all these things. She, you know, she makes tacos with jackfruit and all that kind of stuff. But her demeanor is so comforting, and I think that's what it is. Like in light of all the tragedy and the the unthinkable and the heartache and the suffering that we see every day that we've seen just this week that that's a place that almost everybody can relate to I think is sort of the safety of the kitchen and the sort of the just the ministry of your daily bread whatever that happens to be and I don't know it's 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 a simple comfort and it's a pretty universal one I think too yeah, it, I I was surprised at myself even going like, oh, it just feels better to watch Sophie make a cake. <laughs> like, it well, just is, it's a lot it, to wrap your head around, and it's I don't know. I I I told somebody the other night like I, it's a it's a place where I know I want to fight. You know, yeah. I want to I want to fight for justice. I want to fight for what's right. I want to fight for life. 
but you start looking, it's so layered and you think, okay, how do we collectively, how do we, how do we dig in here? And then there's so many people who have been digging in for years and how heartbreaking it must be for them to see how it's just not getting any better. I don't know. Right. I saw yesterday Lecrae said something like, it's not that the violence has increased. It's that the videoing of the violence has increased. And I thought, Lord, have mercy on Mm -hmm. us. And I like, I mean, you know this, but I like to get friends of some of my black friends, some of my brown friends, some all sorts of different people to come on here and talk about this. But I love that you and I get to talk about this too, because sometimes two white women just need to talk about what can we do? Yeah. What yeah. can we do? So what what steps are you taking? Can you can you put any words around like what the next move is for people like us who want to be a part of racial reconciliation and justice? But I'm not a policeman. I'm not a mayor. I'm not the president. Right. And I'm not a black man or a black woman who who is experiencing this on a day to day basis. I'll tell you what, I don't even know if this is the right answer, Annie, but this is this is what I have been thinking about for two days, three days. So yesterday I was in the car and I was thinking about the story from Exodus where Joshua is going to fight the Amalekites and Moses is going to go to the top of the hill mm-hmm. and kind of, and he's going to direct the traffic essentially <laughs> and, um, or direct the battle. And so, yeah. you know, he, when he lifts the staff, the, the Israelites do well. And when he lowers it, the Amalekites get the advantage. Right. And so Aaron and her um, are with him and they lift his arms so that he's able to keep the staff up and the Israelites are victorious. And I I kept thinking about a couple of things about that. One is what a team effort that victory was. Yeah. You had Joshua on the ground, you had Moses on the hill, you had Aaron and and her as trustworthy allies. And so I don't know. I mean, what I keep thinking is um, Aaron and her were also visible and their support was clear. Oh, that's really good. So I, I think it's a reminder to me that my support for the African-American community and the heartache and the violence and the injustice that um, they have endured for a long time. And Mm -hmm. it it needs to be, my support needs to be visible. It needs to be clear. And, um, and so that means I think that we have to stick our necks out Uh happily and with assurance that, we may not know exactly what to do. We may not know exactly what to say, but we can be trustworthy allies and we can be trustworthy voices in the places where we have, for whatever reason, we have people who might listen to the things that we say or who might read the words that we write. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we need to go in and, and not, because my, my struggle sometimes is I think, what if I say the wrong thing? I just, yeah. I don't want to say the wrong thing. But more and more and more, I am convicted that silence makes us complicit. And so I don't want to be silent. I, those fears ring so true to me too, of like, not even like a, what if I say the wrong thing and get canceled? I'm not near as concerned about that is what if I say the wrong thing and I hurt someone's feelings who has my phone number. I don't want to hurt anybody. And I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish or belittle um, anyone else's lifetime of work and sacrifice. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to, I don't know. I think so often, but because white people have, have so consistently had 
uh, maybe a voice that was louder in certain situations or a voice where people were more likely to lean in and really listen. I'm not saying that's right or fair. I'm just saying that's, that's, that's kind of been the reality. I think that the people we need to be listening to right now are not necessarily the white people. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't need to to in any way ignore the voices of our black brothers and sisters who are so deeply invested in the health and the healing and injustice for um, in, in these places where they just haven't been heard. And so I don't know, it's so tricky, um, but it's so necessary for us to, to be visible and to be, to be clear um, in our support for, um, for what's right. And so I think I'll probably get some stuff wrong and I think I'll probably say some stuff wrong from time to time. Um, but I I don't want to do that. I don't want to say anything wrong. (laughs) I know, I know I don't either, but I also don't want to, um, to pretend like, you know, it's not an issue and it's not going on. And it's, um, it's heartbreaking. It just is. It feels like one of those things where in, you know, a hundred years when I die, I want, I don't want people to go, but where was she on racial injustice? Right. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to do everything right. But, but I just don't want there to be a question of if I cared. And if I was willing to Absolutely. learn, and if I was if I was trying to to be, be, I mean, you know, I very publicly learned for the last year and a half since a, a friend on Twitter called me out about not having enough diverse guests on my show. So my mm-hmm. learning has been very public so far. A portion of it, a portion of it is private, like you, where we have friends in our real lives and friends on the internet that have become real life friends that are talking with me and teaching me, and I'm reading their work, and you know. But publicly, I'm learning too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to be sorry when I do a big mistake that makes people sad. But I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. I, you know, I think privately uh, for the last three, three and a half years, it became very clear to me after Charlottesville that I needed to listen. Hmm. That there were there were issues in this country that I, in ignorance and um, and just. I, I don't know, just a complete lack of awareness. Just mm-hmm. there were issues in this country that I w- was not paying a whole lot of attention to. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte, Charlottesville was very much for me like, oh, you need to you need to to hear some some voices that you are not yeah. deliberately intentionally listening to. And so um, and that's been super helpful. But I think it's important as white people to remember that it's not the job of of the black community to teach us. It's not their job to, to, to sit back and wait for us to ask questions. We've got to be proactive. That's right. So we've got to, we've got to engage with some resources. We've got to, we've got to listen to some conversations and, um, and jump in. And so I'm just reminded it's going to be really imperfect, but listen, this, we can't go on like this. We can't, we can't. can't. And, and just think, I mean, yeah, the grief feels super real. So were you writing this book? H- how is all this factored in as you've been writing? Oh, gosh. Um, so I finished the book last February. But there were, listen, there plenty had happened before then. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To get me going. Um, and really, the book was not all about you know, heavy issues. The book was, you know, some of it is lighthearted and, 
just about getting older and the middle of life and, and all that kind of stuff. But I will tell you that what I realized, I don't know if I even realized it when I was writing the book, because when I, I was, I felt frustrated about some things when I was writing the book. And when I, when I started the book, I initially, I wanted to call it burn it all down because I was just so frustrated with stuff. And I have, I have really in my own way, in my own probably too polite way, I have really wrestled with the evangelical church the last few years. And I love it. Listen, I love it. Um, I have wrestled with our country in my head. Not There's not been actual an actual wrestling match. But so, yeah, all this is going through my head. So, so I finished the book last February. I turned it in in June. And I was kind of like, well, I was frustrated about some things. And I'm glad I got that off my chest in a way. Uh-huh. But I'm going to tell you what happened is when I edited it last summer, at the end of summer, into the kind of the end of August, um, as I went back through it, I think I started that I realized, oh, no, I'm not frustrated. I am mad. I am so yeah. angry. I am so angry. I am so angry. And um, and so I actually asked for the book. So I turned in my edits and then about... Um, a week and a half later, I said, can I have the book back? Because huh. I, I feel like I need to I need to to add something to the end. So, yeah, I think a, a lot of the book is about I mean, again, about some lighthearted things about just getting older and real life and all that kind of stuff. And then some is about some significant disillusionment and disappointment. And it's where I am right now, I would say I'm still I'm still in a real similar spot as to where I was when I when I edited it, but hopefully moving through all that anger in a little bit more of a healthy way. Well, I mean, I think we have to write out of that. And for everybody listening, that's a very Sophie's schedule for writing the book. That's how we do them. I mean, I finished the book that comes out for me in February of 21. We're editing right now. Yeah. And so, and so, and when the editing process, you go, you know what, you know what I'd say today right here, I'm going to say that right now. (laughs) So you get to, you get to make it, what it needs to be that day. What, tell me about stand all the way up. Like what is the, what's the shift in you? What, what is it that made you want to burn it all down and what happened? I mean, is it really middle of life and having a son who's in finishing high school and what is it? No. Okay. It all, it all started, Amy. Look, if you don't mind, um, it all started. We were in, Alex and I were on a trip with compassion. Alex is my son. He's 17. We were on a trip with Compassion a few years ago, and um, and one night we were at dinner, and the steward in the restaurant at the place where we were staying came in and essentially told me that um, we were at a place where we were in tents, but they were like tents with a real floor, but canvas walls, canvas roof, the whole thing. And he came up to the table and he said, um, which of you is in number 27? He had this like mm. really beautiful Kenyan accent. Yeah. And I just kept eating my soup. I didn't know who was in 27. And Alex kind of <laughs> kneed me under the table. He's like, Mama, we're in 27. <laughs> so I was like, oh, that's us. And you know, Sean Graves, he was on the trip with us. Oh, and at that point, gosh. when Sean realized him. that we were 27, he starts to laugh so hard. He's not at all concerned about, no, about us, no, by the way. He's just not. like, he's laid out. Anyway, the man in all like sincerity, he looks at me and he says, um, ma'am, it, it would seem that the monkeys have gotten into your tent. <gasps> and so, so, the, so a monkey monkeys had gotten in our tent and I was like, how did the monkeys get in our tent? He said, Oh, the monkeys are very clever. And, oh um, gosh. so they had unzipped the, the windows. Now, 
I had left a thing of pistachio nuts on the desk in the tent. And apparently that was some pretty um, tempting bait for the monkeys. And so they ransacked our room and they they just like, like went through our stuff. Apparently the next day, one of them, the men who had been down there said, ma'am, clothes were strewn everywhere. Like they had just gotten in there and gone to town with our stuff. Oh my God. So, and my fear was that they'd gotten our passports because we were flying home the next day. Oh my gosh. You're like, dear monkeys, please leave my passport alone. <laughs> I know. And it was pouring down rain. So I, in my head, all I could picture was were monkeys in the back of the tent in the rain with our passports, you know, just throwing right. them all around. <laughs> so the next, but the passports were fine. And the next morning we were out on a safari ride and, um, Jamie Ivy was on that trip and her son Deacon. And so Jamie, Deacon, Alex, and I were yeah. in this safari vehicle, just, you know, ambling through the the Maasai Mara National Reserve. It's just gorgeous. Anyway, I thought, well, that's pretty much been the story of the last three or four years. Just the monkeys have been in my business. And oh, some of that gosh, had to Sophie, do. That's brilliant. Oh, Thanks, Annie. Um, some of that had to do with personal stuff, like just with struggles with my health, struggles sort of internally about getting older. I never thought I would be that person who was, you know, but who was not dreading getting older, but just sort of amazed that it was happening to me, you know? And some of that was what's been going on in our country. Um, That the, the last four or five years have just been mind boggling to me on so many levels. Right. And, um, and then, and, you know, some of that was because my mama had died the year before and just all the the stuff that goes along with watching her walk through about 18 months. Well, really, it had been longer, but 18 months that we knew she had dementia yeah. and then um, walking through her death and the grief afterwards. And so it just felt like a time where I was willingly or not, I was in the middle of a whole bunch of transition. Right. By choice or by force. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so. Um, I just kind of got to a point where I wanted to, and so all those things frustrating in their own way, but all those things also places where the, I feel I, I just found that the Lord was teaching me a lot and where things in scripture were resonating with me um, as they related to, as it, you know, happened to relate to whatever the circumstance was. And so I just got to a point where I was like, I think I want to write about some of this stuff mm. and how the monkeys have been in my business, but how the Lord has kind of met me in the middle of it. And then the other thing that happened was on that same trip. And I thought about this too, that morning on the safari ride was a couple of days before we had been at this church. And when we got there, the women from who um, were part of the compassions ministry at that church met us um, at the gate of the church grounds and danced and sang us into the sanctuary. Oh, wow. And um, once we got into the sanctuary, a woman named Mary stood up and she said, we we trust you know that in Kenya, you are welcome at the gate. And so the combination of all of that, like that whole notion of being welcome at the gate, that in all these transitions, all these places that maybe I wouldn't have asked for or or necessarily not places where I wouldn't have chosen to go, the Lord welcomed me there and met me yeah. there and settled some things there. And so all that led to, wow. to a book. Can you hear the dog snoring, Annie? Hazel no, is really. No, well, your dog snoring. Y'all are just having 
I mean, we also I've had got- ambulance go by my <laughs> which is actually always my very favorite thing, Sophie, because people will DM me or tech or you know message me afterwards and go, I pulled over my car because I thought I heard an ambulance and it was just driving by you. <laughs> So, dear everyone, the dog barking in the ambulance, not your dog, not your emergency. No, uh-uh. I mean, she's really, she's in a, she's in a deep sleep over here. She's really yeah, getting after no, it. So, all it. that, all that to say, it just all led to, to the book. And so, it you know, so some of the stuff is, is not so serious and some of it is and. Do you feel um, like this is, I mean, I've, I haven't finished your new one, but I've read it, most of it. I feel like this one is more weighty than the others, but it's still very funny. Thanks, Annie. Does that feel true in your writing? Yeah, I think so. I think here's the uh, the other thing is I think I am a person who is sometimes reluctant to engage with the weighty stuff mm. because I'm a nine, Annie. And yeah, you identify as a nine on the Enneagram. <laughs> and um, it, but I feel like my eight wing has bossed me around a lot the last yes. few years. Yeah. And so I feel like the eight wing is out a little bit more yeah. on with this one because there are just some places where I, I I don't know how to to respond to certain things anymore other than to say hey everybody this is not okay yeah um whether that's like hey this is not what leadership looks like this is not what justice looks like this is not what loving our neighbor looks like I, I don't know how to to say those things without just calling the thing a thing yes so um I don't know. I feel like this book there, it's not sentimental, uh, you know, and I don't think I'm a super sentimental person, but there was something about the first couple of books mm-hmm. that was naturally sentimental because I was writing about my family and then I was writing about friendships over the course of my life. Sure. This book is not sentimental. This book is much more, this it's just sort of where I stand right now. And, um, and I struggle with people pleasing for so long, really so long, you know, into my, well into my thirties. And so I don't know, I think this is sort of my, my book where people may not be as, they may prefer for me just to tell stories about mammal. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that you wrote those so they can go back. They can go back and read stories about mammal Davis. I just, I think there is something about what we were talking about earlier, where there's a point when the when, you know, things just feel like they're crazy, where yeah. you have to visibly and clearly say, this is not okay. And yes. by the way, I don't see Jesus in this at all. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So that's, that's sort of, that's sort of where I am, Annie. And that's kind of what this book came out of. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Sophie to tell you about some of our partners making today's show possible. I want to thank your Enneagram coach. As y'all know, we love talking about the Enneagram around here. Ennea Summer 2020 is coming up in July. And actually, your Enneagram coach, Beth McCord, was our expert for each episode back in Ennea Summer 2019. Registration for Beth's signature online course, Become an Enneagram Coach, is open starting today, June 8th. Over 700 people have taken this deep dive into gospel-centered Enneagram coaching. And as I've said many times, y'all know I love this line. The Enneagram is a great tool, but it is the gospel that brings transformation. Whether your career is changing because of what's been going on recently in the world, or if you, like me, just love the Enneagram and want to become a full-time coach, maybe you want to do it as a side hustle or incorporate this tool into your ministry or a counseling practice, this course will train and equip you to do just that. 
You'll learn how to make a living helping others get unstuck in their lives, y'all. You get lifetime access to 35 videos. It'll teach you everything you need to know about coaching with the Enneagram. Interviews with Beth's team who share their expertise in building your business and access to a private coaching Facebook group, connecting you to a community of coaches around the globe for inspiration and support. So starting today, Beth's actually hosting free webinars where you can learn more about coaching and ask questions and see if this is the right next step for you. Registration for this course will only be open five days. It closes this Friday, June 12th. It won't be open again for months. So you can learn more and sign up for a free coaching webinar with Beth McCord at yourenneagramcoach.com backslash BEC, like become an Enneagram coach, BEC. And you can use the code that sounds fun and get $200 off. If you have a passion for the Enneagram and guiding others toward growth and freedom, now is your time. And if by chance you're listening to this episode after enrollment has closed, you can still sign up to be notified next time registration opens at yourenneagramcoach.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends at Flamingo. Happy summertime, ladies. You know one thing we're having to think about more right now than we did in January, besides washing our hands, is shaving our legs. Women's razors are traditionally pretty overpriced and the options are overwhelming in the stores. But we've got to have them, right? Having super smooth legs, even if no one sees them, is pretty important. But if you're going to the pool, if you're going to the beach, if you're wearing shorts, all the things, you may want to shave your legs. Flamingo is a body care brand that makes an award-winning razor at half the price. They were started by a group of women at Harry's, the men's shaving brand, who wanted to create a better experience for women AKA razors that are beautiful and affordable. Y'all know I love these razors. I don't use anything else. Have one that stays at my house. I have one that travels when we travel. It is absolutely my favorite razor to use. You can try the Flamingo Shave Set for just $16. It's your entire shave routine, including Flamingo's award-winning razor, shave gel, and body lotion. Plus, they throw in a slip-free shower hook that I will tell you I find very helpful. I'm telling y'all, shaving feels better when it's not overpriced. And with their 30-day money-back guarantee, you can try Flamingo risk-free. Flamingo is in over a million bathrooms, y'all. And it can be in yours, too, for just $16 with free shipping today when you visit shopflamingo.com slash Annie. Again, that's shopflamingo.com slash Annie. And now back to the show. Will you tell me, uh, what's the difference between your 30s and your 40s? Ooh, I think the 40s, and Angela Cottrell said this to me when I was about to turn 40. Uh, the she idea said, that Travis and Angela have not been on my podcast is disgusting. It I really have to is. fix it. I know. We have to fix it. You have to We're, fix it. Yeah, they're um, some of my favorites. Angela said, she said, 40 really is a crossing over. It, and I am here to tell you it was. Yeah. And there is just, uh, there. I don't know how to explain it. I don't, it's just, I guess, the combination of your experiences and your your brain putting pieces together and, and your heart sort of lining up with your brain and all that kind of stuff. But there's there's just a, um, I don't think, I wouldn't call it a confidence, but there is a little, there's just a, a, a kind of a quiet peace, I feel like, mm-hmm. about the 40s. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, mm-hmm. at least in my experience, I did not feel the compulsion to keep everybody happy anymore. I don't know. It, it, the 40s, I will say, are something else. I mean, they're just, there's also something too, I think, about just because you're, you're at a stage of life where you can clearly recognize that it's not going to go on forever. Yeah. And 
So I think you treasure the stuff that really matters and you prioritize the stuff that really matters and you just don't have as much time and energy to get caught up in the stuff that doesn't. Yeah. So that's a good thing, I think. And, um, and you know, as your parents get older, that that's a whole thing. And so you're just this weird in a way in between stage, because in so many ways, the, the, the roles flip a little bit. You start yeah. to be more concerned about your parents maybe than they are about you and that kind of thing. But the whole thing about really knowing who you are and what you're about and not feeling any compulsion to, to alter that just to keep people happy. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. That's so, a nice spot. <laughs> uh-huh, that's a good thing. Would you say there's a difference in your relationship with God in your forties and your thirties? Yeah. I think that in my thirties, I was still pretty convinced that God was really disappointed with me. Mm. I really wrestled that with that in my, in my thirties. And I don't, you know, I think different things head at different periods of time in your relationship with the Lord. And, and it's not anything that's universal, but because I was a little bit of a slow spiritual learner, I think when I really internalized and it was in my thirties for me, sort of the the depth of my own struggles, the depth of um, of my own sin. And, um, you know, I just, I grieved it a lot in my 30s. And I was just, I was, I just felt like God must be really disappointed. I don't know a better way mm. to say it. And so um, I think my 40s, I was less um, concerned about God being disappointed in me. And, um, and just more grateful for his grace and his mercy. I feel like, honestly, my 40s, Annie, there's, you know, we both grew up Methodist. Yep. And, <laughs> you know, in the Methodist church, you don't lack for instruction on grace and mercy. Right, um, right. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty, a pretty good deal. And I think that I kind of, in a way, went back to my roots on a lot of that hmm. in terms of really resting in it. And really understanding that God was not surprised by the fact that that I'm a sinner. Yeah. That's not news to him. And and just being able to rest in his goodness and his grace and his mercy and um, really deeply wanting nothing more than just his peace. Like that's mm. that's the best thing going. So I don't know that it's that way for everybody. That's just kind of how it worked out for me. So are there things you prayed for in your twenties and thirties that you have resigned in your 40s or you've changed your desires in your 40s and I'm and, and listen I'm not I'm not sure you're anything I'm not necessarily just talking about me getting married I'm just talking about like like I, I, I am feeling as I'm closer to switching from my 30s to my 40s I'm feeling right. this like okay does that not about getting married and having kids about other things in my life that I want of like okay what does that mean now when this is a different decade and there are other things that are I just wonder how your prayer life has changed. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that. Um, I think my prayer life is a lot less more about me. <laughs> a lot less more. <laughs> yeah, a lot less more about. But I think it's a, it's a lot less. Probably in my twenties and the early part of my thirties, I really felt like I needed to give God some good instruction about how things needed to go. Uh-huh. Like I really needed to specify. And do you do you want that in bullet points, or would you like some sort of Roman numerals or <laughs> those helpful, God? I feel like maybe uh-huh. you might like Roman numerals. Uh-huh. I really felt like I needed to break something down, things down for Him. And in fact, I almost went back last weekend. We were cleaning out our garage. And I saw some old journals and I was like, oh, I don't, oh, I, maybe, 
do I go work? I don't know if I can work. Because I think now my inclination is just to, to, I I told somebody this not too long ago, like when I'm, I'm praying for friends, I just, instead of saying like, Lord, you know, this is happening and da, 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 da. And then da, 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 da. Like, you know what he does not need from me? The recap. He does not need a recap from me. He's got time for it, but he doesn't need it. Yeah. So I I feel like I probably my prayers have become more general. Like I just, I pray that the Lord would cover people in hard situations with his peace and his comfort in situations where I have friends who are really walking through and wrestling through some hard things. Sometimes I just say, Lord, um, in my mind, I just, I just carry them and place them at your feet. I don't, Mm. I don't know even what to ask for, but I know that if they're, if they're in your presence and they're at your feet, that you've got them. So I just think I maybe agree with God more in prayer and, and um, instead of maybe trying to instruct him in prayer, that feels like a, that's mm. been sort of a, a gradual shift that's over the last idea, 10 or 15 years. Um, because I, I don't know, I don't think it occurred to me at any one particular point that I was really giving God some quality instruction, but I find it's easier to, to rest and, and know that he he will comfort and he he will mm-hmm. bring peace and he will mm-hmm. um, show people great compassion through the people around them. He, he will do all those things. And so I just I, I don't feel as much of a need to to break it all down for him. I think. Right. Right. I feel that in me too. this my prayer life. I have felt a shift this year. As I've just started going like, well, what if I just said this instead? Or what if I was just mm-hmm. listening more? <laughs> yeah. Well, how about that? Right. How about that idea? Uh-huh. Angela Cottrell, again, Angela, she's just really one of the wisest people I know. And she uh-huh. said something. We had a conversation back at the beginning of the year and just off, kind of offhandedly, she said, um, you know, one thing I just find is that no matter where I am or what I'm doing, I just want to carry the presence of Jesus with me wherever I go. Wow. And I was like, oh, so that w- that'd be a good thing to pray for. Like, uh-huh. Lord, help me carry your presence wherever I go. Right. I mean, if I like if if we could all if we could rest in that, like, <laughs> yep. you know, I think so. I, I tend I, I hope I, I want more of what he wants and I trust him to to bring that to fruition more uh-huh. than I feel like I need to know the the outcome or the answers. And, and that that feels like, I mean, the more people I talk to that are, especially women in my real life, as as my peer group is transitioning from our 30s to our 40s. Right, right. There, there does seem to be this like, I'm just a little more settled in receiving mm-hmm. what God has given me. Yeah, yeah. You And you stop, I think you stop feeling scared that it's going to go away. Because I think that's oh, the other wow. thing women do. You know, is what like, well, yeah. it won't be good forever. And you know what? It might not. <laughs> it might not be good forever. But he's always doing a new thing. Yeah. So I you know what? I think here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line is I think I trust I trust the character and provision of God more at this stage in my life than I did twenty years ago. And you so don't have everything. If I you can want, keep moving along right? that trajectory, you know, I think that's that's not a bad place to be. Yeah, I think that's important because a lot of people would say, 
Because what you would say is you don't have everything you want, but you trust God's provision. Whereas there are people who might say, well, yeah, there are famous people who have tons of money and are going on safaris in the middle of quarantine. And of course they trust God's provision because they have everything. Right, right. But man, how much does the Bible say it's hard for rich people to get into heaven? And that's, I mean, that's us too. I'm not just talking about safari people. I've been thinking about it so much about like, oh man, like, am I, am I doing what's right with what God's handed me? Yeah. You know, you want to steward it well and responsibly and all that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, I have a, I don't don't know if you remember this, but way back, way back in the olden internet days, Mm -hmm. Mike Willen had on the Nestor had on her site, this printable thing that you could print out and whatever, ever color you felt best complimented your decor. Yeah. But it was the version of, I think the 23rd, the 23rd Psalm, I think it was from the message. I'm not sure, but it just says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And I put that in our living room. I framed it and put it in our living room, probably, I don't know, 12 or 13 years ago. I mean, it's been a minute. And I think that meant one thing to me then, and it means something else to me now. Really? I think that, I, I don't know, I, I think that age to a certain degree brings contentment. And so wow. there's a contentment that runs underneath everything now that's different than maybe when I was younger. So I try to rest in that and not take that for granted. Yeah. Man, that feels like I will really enjoy being there. <laughs> I think he will. I, will I think enjoy it that. just gets, it all gets better and better to me. And just, yeah. and there's just something about to having walked with the Lord for a minute, you know, yeah. Yeah. there's something really sweet about that. And there's also something that's fun when you really can see the generation behind you because you're far, you're far enough ahead of them a little bit. Yeah. I love it. So um, I love like the whole thing, cheering them on and watching people start to really, you know, rest in and exercise their gifts and um, and see how those those gifts make a difference. And I love all that. That's fantastic. Well, I mean, you have such a I, mean, I don't even know that people know this. You have such a front row seat of that because you work at a high school. I do work at a high school. When people go to school, you work at one of them. <laughs> I know, I do. And I, I don't know. I love, it's weird because I can remember when I, I mean, you used to work at a school too. And like, but I've always worked in high schools. And so I can remember, you know, when I first started working with high school kids, I was not that far ahead of them. Mm-hmm. And then I was at a point where um, I felt a little bit older than they did, you know, but their parents still seemed much older to me than I sure. was. Sure. And, um, and then I hit the point where I was kind of the same age as their parents. And now I'm at the point where some of the parents seem, you know, some, some of the parents seem a little bit younger than me to me. Yeah. So that all shifts and changes. But the, I think the, the part where you get to encourage them and cheer for them and, and dig into life with them, I think that part just gets better and better. Yeah. I, I have a lot. I mean, one of the things I was saying to my friend last night is I just have a lot of hope in the generation we're raising. Absolutely. Not, me too. I, as of today, which this isn't very kind, I don't have a ton of hope in us. <laughs> Well, in our actual generation and uh-uh. the way we are handling things. I think we can still get better, but I just don't. Uh, but the next one, the next generation, yeah. could we could we help them actually treat the world the way the world should be treated? I, here's what's hard for me to understand. I don't understand our reluctance to see things the way they really are. I don't understand the, the inclination to create all these alternate narratives. 
Like that makes me a little crazy. That kind of makes me want to be like the woman on her front porch. That turns me into the get off my lawn person. Yeah. 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 Seriously. (laughs) Will you engage in reality with me for four seconds without Uh trying to explain it away with some garbage theory? That would be delightful. I would really appreciate it. And so I don't know how part of, of my frustration, I think, with with our reluctance to address these big issues in our country part of my frustration is that you have for whatever reason part of the population that just refuses to see it like will just do anything to explain it and um and shannon martin today had a thing on her twitter where she had gone through just to remind herself that not everybody sees everything the same way you know i think she's the word she used where twitter can be an echo chamber Uh and had had pulled up a thread that was just full of conspiracy theories Uh you know i I don't i don't understand i don't understand it yeah to what end why why does that yeah i don't i don't know so i mean one um, of the things i i learned in quarantine that i will take with me for the rest of my life that's in i'm teaching at two different churches in the next two weeks and it's in both outlines (laughs) is when someone else tells you something is hard believe them yes ma'am and if we will just believe each other I yes, mean, instead ma'am. of going like, I'm not sure that's really hard uh-huh. for you. Or, well, I'm not what's sure that's really right. happening? Uh, yes. No. I'm like, no, what if we just believed you? Then yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind, of, that's kind of my goal. That's one of my first steps in all this, even today. Uh, because, because one of the first things, if we want to talk about racism again, is to root it out of ourselves. Even yes. today, I read a tweet where I went, I mean, and then I went, oh, no, ma'am. If they tell you it's hard. If that friend you do not know that got retweeted by someone you barely know, if they said this experience was hard, this one particular thing, what if you believed them, Annie? Yeah. I thought, Lord, forgive me. It's in me, too. I loved you were responding to something one night on Instagram and you got some pushback and you said you were far more concerned about the racism in yourself. Uh Uh-huh. Than than any commenter. Than any comments anybody would make. And I... I, I walked straight back to, to David at that point. I was like, listen to what Annie just said. It's so good <laughs> because that's that's exactly what we all have to do. That's exactly yeah. where change has to start is yeah. for us to be willing to, to, with a very critical eye and through the lens of scripture, examine our own hearts and be willing to, to root out, to, to, to confess it um, and to renounce it and to agree with God about the worth of every single individual and so that's a that's a that's a hard ask sometimes because we we tend to stay in the places where we're comfortable and the places that preserve whatever we we that the the things that make us feel comfortable so um it's not as easy as it sounds but it's critical and when it came down to me so as i just thought um, a a racist comment from someone i don't know doesn't change my life racism living in me shapes my life Absolutely. And so people are going to be nasty in comments. It's part of the Internet's job is to remind you that humanity (laughs) has fallen, fallen from whence we were once were. (laughs) But Lord have mercy. So, um, okay, I can ask you one more thing and then we'll let you live your life. Will you talk a little bit about how much you've enjoyed your walks around the lake or around the pond near you? Annie, thanks. Thanks, Annie. I love how much you just talk about the goodness of walking. I love my walk so much. 
this is another this is another whole thing that makes me feel sometimes like, well, I'm 109. As, but this has been the great gift of quarantine. I've never had a spring where I really got to sit in it. You know, I mean, I've yeah. gotten to sit at, I sit at ball games in the spring and that's right. We do all college that kind baseball. Of stuff. I, I missed oh, it college so baseball. Much. Oh, I just, but, oh. um, but I do, I love my walks around the lake at, at a park near my house. And I mm-hmm. love, I love being immersed in creation. And yeah. so this year, especially, I just, I knew when quarantine started, it just like you learned and knew a little earlier on that the time out of the house was going to be critical. I mean, it was really mm-hmm. going to be mm-hmm. essential to some, some mental and emotional and spiritual health. And so um, I, I just, I, there's something about that time to, to do not one thing, but to, to sit in creation or to walk in creation, to listen to music or podcast or whatever is in your ears but it's renewing. And I, I don't know. And so I, one day I posted a video um, when I was walking just because it was a pretty day or something. Yeah. And spring had not hit yet in other parts of the country. So I got all these comments back from people like, Oh, my goodness, it's so green. And it's and I was like, it is so green. And I love yeah. that it's so green. And last week, I stopped when I was walking and sent a picture to my sister and my cousin Paige because I was like, y'all the mimosas are blooming, which yeah. again, I'm 104. But, <laughs> no, we needed it. But I but the you know, like everything else has been so crazy and has felt chaotic at times. But, but creation has, has just kept right on moving. And, um, and that's been really good for me to see. Life has continued to, to, to flourish and to grow. And I don't know, it's just, it's such a good reset every day. And um, it's one of my, one of my very favorite things. I I think getting outside has been for a lot of us kind of the, um, the absolute joy of the quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> Just getting and, out. <laughs> and I walk, I mean, for the, up until really the last year, I have done most of my walking on a treadmill and I don't think I ever will again. Um, not that I really? won't ever walk in a treadmill again. I'm not opposed sure. to a treadmill. I'm just saying right. like, it's, it's, it's extra renewing to be outside. Yeah. I think so too. I mean, I, so, I'm not great at exercising in the winter. I just do not like being cold. That's why I was mm-hmm. a Southern girl from start to finish. But I'm like, these days, I'm like, I better see the outside every day because I yes. just love it. Yeah. Yes. Do you have the I Dark Sky app? No. Tell me more. Oh, okay. So the, the, it's an app. It's called Dark Sky. And it will tell you based on your location exactly when it's going to rain. Oh, wow. I assumed you had it because you often give weather reports. On <laughs> Almanac Instagram. Annie. She's been doing this <laughs> a little bit rogue, apparently. But, but it will <laughs> tell you app. like... It will dark say, sky app? Dark sky. It will say no precipitation for the next hour. Oh, I'm downloading or, it as we're speaking. It's four dollars. Dark sky weather. It, it uh, worth it? It's worth it, Annie. Okay. It will tell you four dollars. It's worth four dollars. It will tell you it's gonna rain between eight thirty and nine thirty in the morning. It will tell you if it's gonna be light rain, if it's gonna be heavy rain. It will like I check that pretty much first thing every morning. So okay. I know when I can walk. Oh, my word. 
I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I, that is $4 worth the time. And it, the temperature, it shows you the exact temperature. Yes, shows you the exact yeah. temperature. So if you see, like if you look at Friday and it says 96% chance of rain, you might go, oh gosh, that's a bummer. No, yeah. because then you can look and see, but that's just going to be between three and five. I, right. have all, I have all those other hours. Yeah, I have all the other hours. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Sophie, aren't you just full of resources for Thank us? Thank you, Amy. Thank you. I'm here to serve. I'm here Lord. to serve. Okay. Oh, is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to talk about? I don't know. I don't even know. I don't even, I didn't, I just wanted to talk to you. I don't I care know. what we talked about. Hey, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, Sophie. You've been here yes. before. You know this is coming. Yes. Tell me what you're doing for fun these days. Um, I don't know if, if you know this, Annie, but I've been walking a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... I will tell you what really what I'm doing for fun these days besides walking is music has been another thing during quarantine that has just been life giving to me. You build the best playlists. Thanks, Annie. I've loved building playlists and I've loved the chance to listen to new music and like to, to, um, to, to listen to stuff that I don't know that I would have had time to kind of like, go find and yeah uh, I don't know it's just been great there's so I just I love creative people I'm so 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 grateful for the gift of creative people and um and I was telling I think David and I were talking the other day we were talking about have you watched Ben Platt's concert on Netflix it is queued up for this weekend it is one of the treats I will risk give myself this weekend let me just tell you something he does a version. I feel like I've talked about this incessantly. He does a version of Elton John's Take Me to the Pilot. Uh-huh. I have listened to, like, it's, I'm going to get a bill from Apple Music, essentially. I have listened <laughs> to it so much. And it, here's what I'm going to tell you. This is, this is what David and I were talking about. I was like, that, that performance, that song is proof to me. I am so grateful to God for the gifts he has given Ben Platt when mm. Ben Platt, like that's not a worship song, you know, but sure. God gets glory through those gifts. And that yeah. for some reason has been so encouraging to me. Just, I don't know, listening to different people. We just are surrounded by such wonderfully gifted, creative people and have access to so much of what they have created. And man, is that a gift? Like yeah. I just, Love it. And so, listen, I bet I have listened to that Ben Platt version of Take Me to the Pilot. I'm going to say in the last week, uh, over 100 times. Easy. Oh, Oh, gosh. Easy. Like, (gasps) wowie, zowie. That's real. So many times because I have rewatched it. I have listened to it in the car. I have listened to it when I've walked. I had it on the other morning cooking breakfast. And David walked in the kitchen and died out laughing because, of course, I was playing it. Why wouldn't I be? It was, Uh you know. A Tuesday morning at 730. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be playing Take Me to the Pilot? There's just, and it's not just him. It's his background singers are phenomenal. Uh, they're it's, I don't they're know. So anything, anything creative like that gets me just, uh, just the endorphins just, just mm-hmm. like roll in. Yeah. So music How has do we been. How find your playlist? Like if someone just wants to go find all the playlists you built, do you have them somewhere? Mm. Well, I do have their own Spotify. Okay, so they can just go find. We'll just link to your Spotify, and um, and they're on Apple Music too. But I don't. I was know about to say I've been very impressed that you build a Spotify playlist and an Apple Music playlist every time you build one. Because Amy, not everybody is a Spotify person. 
I am I not a spiteful person. Treat them like I'm an alarmistic person. So I, I think honestly, I think it's it's the, the forty and up people. I think are your are your Apple Music people. I don't know that. That's not true. Oh, okay. I just made that up. But yeah. I but it people are 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 not all in one place. So yeah. So I build okay. it in Apple Music every time, and then I then I build it again in Spotify. But that is very kind of you to to do double double the work for your listeners. Thanks. Thanks, Annie. For your That's fans, sweet. Sophie. No, no, no. Just, <laughs> no. No. I had no choice. I had to end it. I like reject that. that. I reject it. <laughs> oh, thanks for doing this today. And thanks for, I mean, we've done a decade of life together. And I just thank God for you. So thank you for Listen, all you I'm do. So, I'm so proud of you. And I know that sounds like, again, that I'm your grandmother. But I am. <laughs> you are not. Um, and I'm, I, I really did. I, I thought a couple of days ago. I, I just, I always flash back to it. But when you did the announcement about the the podcast network, I thought, Lord, yeah. I remember sitting in the lobby of the embassy suites in Concord, North Carolina with you right after you moved to Nashville. Mm. And yeah. won't he do it, Annie? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, like, do it. seriously, like, won't he do it? I, I just thought yeah. about like, I, I thought about all the, the, Cause you had, you had big dreams like back then yeah. in terms of just wanting, not, not about anything specific as much as just wanting to be obedient and wanting to write. Yeah. And, um, and then I thought about that time you edited that book about back health. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I ever got paid to write. And then I did so bad. I had to pay them back. Sophie. <laughs> but, but I just remember you were so oh, excited gosh. to do the book about, ba- I yes. mean, like I remember us texting about, that was a, that was like a big break. You were doing the book about back hill. Uh, yeah, I don't it was know. my big moment. And then I had to write my check back for the work. It was, it was oh. I don't know. It has been the biggest That blast. Concord trip is such a joy to think about because you, uh, me, Melanie, I mean, none of us had any books out. We'd no. all built Twitter together, built our Twitter profiles together. I mean, <laughs> it was all, we all just were hoping we'd get to do what what we're getting to do and that yeah. feels like more than we could have asked or imagined absolutely i mean you know me i didn't want to write a book i just wanted to keep writing a i just wanted to write a blog yeah. and i but i um i don't know but so, so there's something about having sort of i don't know having seen sort of the span of things with you um just your your faithfulness just to do the next thing and just to walk through the next door that is so so sweet and so encouraging and I don't know. I just, I love it. So I'm, I just, that's why I feel so proud because I, I know, um, I just remember those days when it was hard, you know, when it was hard for you in terms of you're in a new place. And I mean, I came and cried in Birmingham to you and slept in y'all's guest room because Nashville was breaking (laughs) my heart because it was so hard. And, oh, I mean, you just, I don't know. I, I think the other thing about that is you were willing to do just whatever you had to do in order to stay. I remember you looking for a church in Nashville, just all the things. Uh-huh. I don't know. Yeah. It's yeah, sweet. You've walked the whole thing with me. I'm really, really thankful. It was sweet to, to so. just, I don't know, the Lord's just been really faithful and kind, but you right. have also been really faithful and you've done it the right way, which is wow. Very great. So I'm super proud of you. Thank you, Sophie. I love you. You too, Annie. Y'all, don't you love Sophie Hudson? I know. 
She's just one of my all-time favorites. She's just the best. She's smart and kind. And and if you aren't listening to the Big Boo cast, their podcast, you are missing out. It is hysterical. And make sure you give Sophie a follow in all the places. She is Boo Mama. And you can tell her, thanks for being on the show and how much you enjoyed it. And make sure you are ready on Wednesday for Weeda Wednesday to watch her cook one of her mama's recipes on Insta Story. It is so fun. And grab a copy of her new book, Stand All the Way Up. It's a good one, y'all. It is such a good read. Make sure you grab a copy of that today. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you can need me. That is how you will find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. And we will see you back here on Thursday. Y'all have a great week.